Nadia. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Namira. And, and this, this is Operation Tomato Meter. Now I know everyone is ready to dive into another Tomatastic show, but this is just a reminder to stop, drop, and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's right. So all you have to do is open Apple Podcasts, search for the classics Operation Tomato Meter, scroll down to the bottom, and rate us five stars. We already have 50 reviews, which means we're already a quarter of the way there to getting certified on Rotten Tomatoes. It's so simple. Everything is going to be linked in the YouTube description, so... What are you waiting for? Go rate us, please. Thank you. Thank you. So, welcome back to today's episode of your favorite film podcast. And in case you haven't seen last week's episode... Which you should totally go watch right now. We mentioned getting an exclusive pre-release to Illumination's newest movie. And our very own Nadia and Aaliyah here got to go see it. And they blogged the entire experience, so make sure to see that video when it comes out. Yeah, it was such a blast. I can't wait to share my thoughts on the film. Overall, it was such a surreal and exciting experience for the both of us. Yeah. So... If you haven't been living in Retro City, the entertainment capital of the world, then you would know Illumination's newest film, Sing 2. So first, a little recap of Sing 1. Um, so it starts with Buster Moon, a koala whose theater is going out of business, and to revitalize it, he puts on a talent show and gathers all people from across the town and puts out a grand prize of 100 grand, which he doesn't have. And in doing so, we meet a bunch of lovable characters. We have Rosita, a mama pig full of talent and desperate to get away from her 25 piglets. <laughs> We have Ash, a punk hedgehog bounded by her boyfriend soon to be ex, Johnny, a gorilla hiding away his talent from his gang member father, and Mina, a shy elephant full of raw vocal talent. When chaos ensues, Moon finds out who is really there for him and behind his big dreams. The group works together to put on their own acts and perform to save Moon's theater, which they successfully do. So today we will, of course, be reviewing the sequel. So Sing 2 is the continued story of these rather eccentric animal characters. So Buster, persistent as always, tries to put on yet another extravagant performance, but the main conflict arises when he tries to convince one of Red Shore City's most famous superstars, uh, Clay Calloway, to perform at his show. And as the story progresses, each performer begins to face their own problems, and the show becomes rather a wild ride. So now, before we get into our Rotten or Not segment, disclaimer, I was not able to make the screening. That's okay, I'm here today to represent Sing 1 and see what Sing 2 has in store, you know, in comparison to that. So, as our recurring viewers know, Rotten or Not is where we put our heads together to try to predict the score that the tomato heads at Rotten Tomatoes have given to Sing 2. And today we also have a little Sing Pride. We will also be guessing if the sequel's Rotten Tomatoes score is higher or lower than the original. Then we'll talk about if both ratings are ripe or pretty rotten. Now, the original score for the first thing, which was released almost five years ago. Namira, just say it. <laughs> it was a whopping 71%. So there you go. Critics did seem to enjoy some parts of Sing. That's very interesting. Because I actually was gonna say, if we can go now into my guesses for Sing 2, I was gonna say that Sing 2 in my mind was a 71, like almost exactly. Wow. So now that you're saying the first one was a 71, I'm gonna go lower for Sing 2 and say it was, I would say a 62. I definitely don't think Sing 2 was as good as Sing 1. Um, it was still very enjoyable, but I think definitely I had some like quabbles with it. I don't know if it was as good. I agree with you that it probably wasn't as good as the original in most sequels, most sequels yeah. aren't. But I don't know, I feel like it wasn't deserving of a 62 and I feel like critics might have realized that. 
So I'm gonna say a 70. So one point okay. lower All than right. what Stephen got. <laughs> I agree with that, honestly. I feel like, you know, judging by the premise of Sing One, Sing One had a lot going on there. But the fact that it got a 71 in the first place, I feel like we can only go a little bit lower from there because, you know, sequels at all, like you know, said, they're not as good as the originals. So I'm gonna yeah. give it, you know, mid 60s, almost a 70. So now, will our very lovely producer and overlord please hand us the score? <laughs> That's so 68, so closer to you, Olivia. But I mean, I wasn't too far off actually. So a win for Nadia today, because I've been really off in the past. Um, so 68. Um, I can agree with that. It, it's not a 62, obviously, but I think I just agree with the general idea that it's lower than the first one. It was a good, fun film to watch, but yeah, I wouldn't say it was on par with the first one. I think my main uh thing with it was that it just felt kind of like you took the first plot and you kind of just jumbled it up a little bit and then you just spewed it back out again. It kind of just felt a little repetitive to me. It was another show being put on. Again, they're at Jeopardy. You know, I just thought the whole concept was a little reused. Well, I, I guess I agree with it. I was actually expecting originally for it to be higher, but I mean, the whole theme of it was interesting. I mean, the message was maybe a little unclear, and I think we can talk about that later. But 68 sounds about right, I think. Yeah. Um, I like what they did with the nowhere to go but up, which they said in yeah, the Yeah, that's always film. a cute sentence. And then they recalled that. But also the entire film was about nowhere to go but up. It was about space. Yeah. The entire show that they put on was out of this world, and it was about space, and it was about flying. And uh, whether that was intentional or not, I really liked that, and I liked yeah. how they um, played with that theme. So... While it might not as, have been as good um, as the original one, I think that it had its merits. It did have its merits. Question. Do we yeah. have a, an overarching theme song of any type? You know, like in the first thing we had Golden Slumbers. Is there anything going on here? Overarching theme song. I, I'll be honest, I love Sing. The first one was great. But I have to say that even with the first and the second, there's no, like, the music is kind of mainstream. There are song choices, mm -hmm. which makes sense. It's a talent show. But just even, like, backing tracks, it's not often orchestral music. It's often mainstream songs, so. I mean, I actually liked the mainstream music a little more than I thought I would. Um, from the trailer, I was expecting the songs to be very popular songs, but it was also a lot of older songs from, like, the early 2010s. Yeah, and I mean, I do say mainstream, but they did incorporate U2, so I can't complain in that regard. I mean, the U2, mwah. I know last week in the trailer I was very excited about Bono. I know my mom loves him, so. Uh, so what did we think about the animation? Um, the, Very colorful, like the coloring throughout the entire film was very bright, mm -hmm. vibrant. It definitely gave off that vibe of opportunity and wonder as they go into Red Shore City. And yeah, what did you think? One thing that I noticed from the very beginning was how good, well, I guess they're illumination, so it has to be very good with lighting. And that's something that I've seen with most illumination films, is that they do very well with like playing with light and everything. Mm. Um, also reflections, yeah. reflections in eyeballs even. That's true. The attention to detail, I was, I was very interested in just like seeing all those little things that they included into everything so yeah it was very gorgeous and especially with like you mentioned the out of the out of this world theme the entire like 
galactor, uh, galactic uh, theme. It lent itself to all this usage of light and such. So it was very beautiful to watch. And another interesting thing we mentioned was the kind of incorporation of a stop motion aspect at some point. Right. So I think it was when they were building the sets. Yes. I think there was like a, 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 like five seconds of just stop motion of them building something. And it was in the middle of another montage that wasn't stop motion, and it felt kind of out of place. Like kind of time lapsey was their effect. Was that what they were going for? Yeah, and and I know that while we were watching it, it was it felt a little strange because it was it, it was interesting to see stop motion yeah. in an animation, and I noticed that you were writing it down. And yeah, notes. we were both writing the oh the notes, which I can barely read. You know, chicken scratch. Wow. But yes, <laughs> don't look at it. Don't look at it. But yeah, I was writing it down too. I noticed that. And did it feel like out of place maybe because we saw it in that one instance and then... It was out of place, but it was interesting. I mean, so it looked good. I have nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, it did look good. And it good. was only it was a few seconds and I think some people might have had their eyes closed for a moment and <laughs> might have missed it completely. <laughs> While I was watching Sing 2, they did, like you mentioned, it was kind of... Like the first one kind of... I think the span or duration of the show might have been so it didn't feel as like montage at points. But for Sing 2, they did have a lot of montages, which some did look really beautiful. But I, I had thought when I was watching Sing 2 that a lot was going on. I mean, granted, the cast is so large and there's so many characters, but at points I just felt like I was going from one thing to the next and next and next. Kind of, did it feel a little fast-paced to you, or...? I was actually, like, checking my watch, and I was just thinking, I don't really want this to be over so quickly, because it did feel like it was going yeah. quickly but then by the end when it was about the two hour mark because it was like an hour and a 50 yeah. minutes it felt like it was a good length for the movie and maybe at the end it was a little fast-paced but i like the ending the um, ending was my favorite part but maybe we should go back to yeah. the beginning let's see yeah let's save the ending for the end so a quick question yes. here yes so who are the new characters are we talking about like back to sing one are they oh. all contestants or is there Possibly like a new judge, anything like that. Anything well, that we the need new to know. characters are a little. It's not a competition, so the new characters are just people in Bridgeport City, yeah. and um, it's just like the higher up executive, like the CEO, Crystal, yeah. the Wolf, and then his daughter Portia, mm -hmm. who's a little bit snobby at first, but then gradually throughout the film, you know, she learns, she develops, and she learns. She gets like humbled. And so you definitely grow to like her. And who else? We have Suki, Suki, the the redhead Bob. Yeah. Um, yes, her. That's a new character. Who we learn to like in the end. Yes, she I also guess. helps our characters at the end. She learns that small town people can make yeah. it big, or um, can at least you know have. Yeah, because she future. was an employee of Crystal, and she was kind of condescending at the beginning. Um, but yeah. But Crystal, he was a character, let's just say. Do we want to talk about his, his plot? You want to go more into depth about what goes on with him? There's a lot that goes on with him because... There's a lot. Well, one interesting scene that I think shows his character very well, and our interpretation of his character, is when he's going on a talk show, more towards the end. And this is after we've seen this side of him that's very dark and very, very dark. violent because at one point he goes from being so happy and pleased with Buster Moon and then he goes to throwing him off a balcony. So the talk show kind of shows that celebrities and people who we look up to, yeah. they can be two-faced. They can exactly. have one side of them that we see on camera and he very easily 
and very quickly changes his, his expressions, his tone, and then he goes back beh behind the stage and he's that scary wolf that we see in the rest of it. It was actually, I wrote that down in my notes. I, I wrote that I was actually scared. The close-ups they did in those moments of his rage were genuinely frightening to me. Like the close-ups because his eyes were completely wide and he was staring Buster Moon down. We're not even kids. And yeah, we're not even kids. I'm like, imagine the little kids watching this around me. But overall, like you mentioned, when he threw Bus, well, he attempted to throw him off the building. I was a little taken off guard because I was expecting, like I said earlier, the colors, it's very vibrant, exciting, this film. And then there was a murder side plot to it. It was very dark. And then after Buster Moon escapes, you know, Crystal tries to pursue him and kill him. It was very dark and I wasn't expecting it. And his bodyguards, they turned from just being, I guess, in the background of places to them calling them thugs. And I was like, is this another gang thing yeah. we had with um, the first movie and his father? With Johnny's now? dad. Johnny's dad, yeah. Speaking of which, what happened to Johnny's dad? Is he out of jail? For oh, we see him. I love that brother. brother. It's so cute. Johnny's dad does make a reappearance yes. at the end. Yes, and it's really sweet again. Johnny's dad like his helps buddies. them, and he vows to be his bodyguard, and like they go fighting crystals, thugs, or whatever. Keep them out of the theater. I love yeah. that. So, like, how did Johnny get back to the jail? Because saying one, he was like, oh, I better go back before they notice I'm gone. Like, it is insane. Um, Johnny's dad, yeah, he just somehow he's back in jail. They were on parole, I think. And they were oh, yeah, they're doing community, community service. Community That's service. right. That's right. right. And what about Mina? Anything Mina. new? I've heard a little something something about her. Yes, a little love in the air. Well, in but, the beginning, yeah, we um, see that they're trying to put on a show at their theater, uh, and they're trying to get critics to see them to make it big. Uh, and that's when we have that big opening scene uh, with Alice in Wonderland, which I also like that theme, because sort of, we're sort of going down the rabbit hole with them into the film, which that's I like. That's true. Um, it was definitely a very interesting opening sequence, I would say. Yeah, because at first I didn't realize it was Alice in Wonderland until I saw uh, yeah. the caterpillar, and then I realized, oh! Yeah. And I mean, yeah. at first we didn't even realize that this was happening on a stage. The way the first shot is, it feels mm -hmm. like Mina's actually running through a forest, and I was like, whoa, what's going on here? But then we get a shot of the audience, and we know, which was very interesting. But go on with Mina's story. Um, and yeah, and then they, um, who convinces them to go to Red Shore City? Was it? I think it was Buster Moon. He wanted to do this. He wanted to do the auditions stopped, for who Crystal. Who the bus? Rosita. Rosita stopped the bus um, from leaving and told them that they, they should all take this opportunity. And they go. should take the opportunity, take advantage of it, and go to Red Shore City. And so they go, and Mina's with them. And um, when she gets there, she meets a guy who makes his own ice cream and has a truck. Yeah. And her whole thing is that in she had a part in the in the show, show the grand outer was, space show. She was like a queen, or she, she wasn't was a queen, but she was dressed like a queen. And she um, had to have like a romance scene uh, with the guy. With this, I think played by Eric Darius? Andre. I think yeah. his name was Darius. Darius, but he was very condescending and arrogant, arrogant, narcissistic, into himself. And it was very hard for Mina to act like she was in love with him until with, until she meets a guy, which which she ends up imagining um, Darius as the guy, the nice elephant with the ice cream. Yeah. And she sort of falls in love with him after like five minutes, and. Maybe it was a little strange because yeah. it was sort of like, why does she need a man? Why does she need love to have confidence? Exactly. Um, but it was sweet. and It was a sweet uh, side plot, but I mean, that's all it was for me. That was her side plot. Was it good character development, though? 
What? Uh, I don't know. Like, we, if we see where Mina was at the end of the first film, like, taking her big stage and her grand, like, uh, performance, I kind of prefer the ending of Sing 1 for, for Mina as opposed to Sing 2, but... I mean, it makes sense that the main focus was in Mina again in the second film, so I can't really say much about it. Yeah, so I just have a quick question now. Like, what were the musical sequences? Like, what songs are we looking at here? Because you guys mentioned, you know, early 2000s, yes. early 2010s, and, you know, just want to see what's going I... on there. Okay, I know earlier I said that the songs were mainstream, but albeit they were good performances. They were, the, the actors can sing. I mean, Johnny can sing. As you can tell, I love Johnny. Um, he was great. Scarlett Johansson was great. Tori Kelly plays Mina. She was beautiful. They're all beautiful singers, so the performances are really enjoyable. What about you, Aaliyah? Well, the first performance uh, after the Alice in Wonderland one, mm -hmm. I don't really remember. I don't think I knew what song that was, but um, the first scene that spoke to me was when Bad Guy started playing. And it was, I don't know if it was a remix or if it was just like really good audio quality in the theater. But it sounded really good as it started playing. They were going up the elevator um, to. They were kind of trying to Mr. sneak Crystal? in, yeah, to sneak into the auditions. They dressed up as employees and janitors. So we see them going up the elevator, and it was an interesting song choice because it didn't necessarily fit with it, and it wouldn't have been something that people would have thought um, while making the film that would have fit the scene. And I like that they didn't make the song choices so obvious. Um, but I really liked it when they were sneaking in, and. Um, it was just like a very slow-paced scene when they were just trying to avoid getting caught, and I like the tension there. Oh, I do have to say, it's kind of off the perform, kind of off topic, but after that scene, it was like a stationary shot of the room that they enter in off the elevator, and they're all mopping, they're all, mm -hmm. and everyone's just quietly watching every single member of our cast mop across the floor. And the squeaking, <laughs> the yeah. squeaking, the silence. Well, it the was sound a great effects shot. were really good in the film. It was, and the comedic timing was very funny. I did laugh out loud at a few parts. Mm -hmm. So would you? guys say the music choices in Sing 1 is better or the music choices in Sing 2? It's hard because I feel like they're just kind of on the same level. Both utilize popular songs or just songs that we're familiar with. Um, but I mean in both cases the performances were great so I mean be it as though they were like although they were um, mainstream I still enjoyed hearing them so I can't really complain about the performance. Also, was there any like sort of like foreign representation? Like I remember in Sing One, we had like that little like group of J-pop little like cats oh. or something. And is there anything like that in Sing Two? I can't remember now. I don't think so. Um, I don't remember anything. If anything, it was very minor because I can't. Yeah, doesn't yeah. nothing pops out to me. I mean, there was you mentioned the bad guy scene, but there was another scene, which I mean, I keep talking about how it utilizes popular songs, but. There was that scene that both stuck out to us where they used um, ballet music. So that was like ballet instrumental during Johnny's dance practice scene. Right. And that was very... Like, metronome. Yes, the, that the was metronome. The I love that it was a close-up of a metronome and the sound uh, with the music. And I really, I can't really describe it, but I really liked yeah. what they did with that. And he was struggling the whole time. Yeah. It was kind of sad watching him struggle. It heightened definitely the pressure that Johnny was feeling because he was struggling with his dancing and it kept cross-cutting to metronome. And then like each time the metronome was getting closer and faster. And it was just heightening Johnny's stress. And then you could see him shaking. And even and then all while this is going on, the ballet music is just increasing, increasing. And then it reaches like that point of like highest level of stress possible so it was really like i thought that was one of the be better scenes that really like got to me like emotion wise but yeah moments like that and that's why i feel like 
like you mentioned how bad guy was a good song to pick for that but there are moments where i picked i wish they picked maybe music similar to the ballet mm-hmm. kind of music i feel like instrumental just really works so i'm hearing that, that there are a lot of changes so what about the central message you know like you know for, sing one was really based on community and finding that within what mr moon was trying to do here is there anything similar or different about the theme if there is one for sing two well if the theme we can talk about um the out of this world and the flying and this outer space situation i guess we'd first have to talk about the final performance because that's really what tied everything together that's that was the climax um with all the characters and everything was brought to a close so what did we think about the final performance and maybe how that contributed to the message as a whole rather than just looking at um, the beginning part mostly. Yeah, I think definitely the last performance with Calloway and bringing him out of his shell after experiencing loss was very touching and just seeing him find the joy in life again after losing his wife. I think that was very, that's why I think his side plot was the best one. I think that was a very emotional side plot and theme and message to that. But I do think that um, in the sense of community, that theme, I think that was also reiterated again. And even you mentioned earlier though, we can only, like only one way to go is up. That was mentioned again. And that's why I feel like it was slightly repetitive and reminiscent of the first one, because that was a theme of like persevering and like, you know, like only one way to go is up after you're you're struggling. And I kind of just felt that again slightly, but overall I thought the theme was, you know, it's. It's never gonna get old, that theme. You can always use it to motivate you. Yeah, I think it's really cool considering that this is a movie with a bunch of different characters of animals, right? Yeah. And it's kind of like there's so much like there with diversity and there's no two animals alike. And you know what Mr. Moon says, all animals great and small. It's kind of like bringing everyone together in that type of sense. So, last thing, a little personal thing I gotta ask here. What happens to Johnny's character at the end? So, we do see uh, some closure with him in the very end of his character development with the dance battle, which um, is a callback to the ballet yeah. sequence that we were talking about, um, where he was unable to perform some of the moves, and at one point he had to like stand at the very edge of a stick. Uh, and then uh, in the dance battle, he was able to do everything and more because of his uh, dance breakdancing dance coach. Mm-hmm. Who actually came on and battled him like one on one? Right, but before that, he was also battling um, the choreographer for the dancing, who was um, like Red Shore City's yeah, famous choreographer, um, which is uh, I think maybe a little predictable that we knew that was it predictable for you that you knew that he was going to I guess battle so, him personally. But I mean, in the end, they still gave us a great sequence, so I mean, I can't complain yeah. either. I just can't wait for that to, like the soundtrack to come out, which kind of sucks yeah. that we saw a pre-screening of it because now it's still not out. But <laughs> I'll wait. It's whatever. So yeah, we did get some closure with his character. Yeah. Um, realizing that he had the confidence and the ability to do anything as long as he practiced, and especially having his dad there and everything. Yeah. Definitely one of my favorite numbers. Yeah. So you know, we moved from Mr. Moon's theater to a much larger screen. Was there any end credits here? No. no end credits, but there was an ending scene that like kind of just shows the rest of their future, the rest of their near future, and what they're doing in regards to their theater. Now they have the the majestic theater where they're putting on their outer outer space show, and yeah. So we did stay to see if there were end credit scenes, but um, I actually didn't want there to be any because I liked the ending and I liked how open it was for their future and everything. Um, and I would be very happy if this was the last one in the se- in the. It better be. If there's no, we talked about this last trilogy. time. If they keep doing sequels, I'm gonna be mad. But this I was a good was, ending. Yeah, because if they went from there's nowhere to go but up to them actually being up in 
you know, fake outer space, what are they going to do now? They're going to be outside of the universe. They're going to have... It's just going to go crazier. So this was a great place to end, I think. Yeah. It was appropriate, and it was a good film. Like I said, it was fun and enjoyable to watch, so... I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I'm excited for you, too. Okay, so I think that about wraps up today's episode. So thank you all for listening to our review of Sing 2. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Classic TV, and to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, So that's about it. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.